Austin Riley caps off a great month of July with a walk-off hit on Sunday, leading the Braves to a series sweep over the Arizona Diamondbacks as they head into the trade deadline on a hot streak. We'll talk about all the latest rumors surrounding the Braves leading up to the trade deadline on today's episode of Lockdown Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball and check out my bio there to see where I am covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves in written form over at tomahawktake.com. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you may have for the podcast. Also, if you would, please subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit that thumbs up button on this video. Hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever we post a new episode. And as always, thank you for making Lockdown Braves your first listen each and every day. As a reminder, we post episodes daily, five days a week, and then we are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Vroom. With Vroom, you can buy a car entirely online and have it delivered straight to you so you never have to go to a dealership again. So next time you need to buy a car, just grab your phone and go to Vroom. That's V-R-O-O-M.com and check out thousands of great cars. Today, we're going to be recapping the weekend series over the Arizona Diamondbacks where Austin Riley put a punctuation mark on a great month of July where I think he'll be the player of the month. And he had a walk-off hit on Sunday and a one nothing victory behind a great performance from Max Freed. Really great pitching all weekend by the Braves starters. We'll talk about that, and then we'll get into the trade deadline, talk about some of the moves made over the weekend, and talk about some of the latest rumors surrounding the Braves who they could be interested in. And then we'll set you up for what is going to be a very, very tough couple of weeks to start out the month of August for the Atlanta Braves. We'll touch on that as well in today's episode. But let's start with the weekend. Braves had a three-game sweep over the Arizona Diamondbacks, what I like to refer to as taking care of business, a series that the Braves should at the very least win. And a lot of times you want to start seeing them sweep some of these series. And we've seen them have Plenty of opportunities to do that. Uh, They were able to come through and do it against the Nationals just before the All-Star break, and they get a sweep here. But they've had several other chances over the past month plus now where they could have swept some of these series and just weren't able to close it out. So great to see them do that, even though it was still a bit of a struggle in a day game on Sunday in a series finale. But they do get the job done and get a sweep. On Friday, it was a 5-2 to Victory, somewhat stress-free win until the ninth inning when Jansen loaded the bases and made things a little bit interesting but was able to escape. Turns out that he tweaked his back in that game but seemed to be all right as he came back to pitch on Sunday. But on Friday, Kyle Wright, you know, I mentioned the pitching all weekend was really good. Gave up just five runs in total on the weekend. Um, or sorry, four runs in total on the weekend. Kyle Wright picked up his NL leading 13th win on Friday night. Riley had three hits, three runs batted in. Again, kind of a theme of the weekend, a theme of July. Austin Riley just continues to be on a hot streak. Saturday, the Braves won 6-2 to two in a little bit more stress-free 
game, Ian Anderson had maybe his best start of the year in his biggest start of the year with his spot in the rotation on the line. Six innings, one hit, one walk, no earned runs, nine strikeouts. I thought he was great in this game. He threw the curveball a good bit more, threw it earlier in counts too to get ahead of hitters. I think that really caught some hitters off guard. So at least you're starting to see a willingness to change and to make some changes. That's kind of been my frustration with him over the past month now where he's been in this regression is there's been really no commitment to change anything that he's doing. He still just continues to go with the same game plan he's had since coming up, which again, he's been really good since coming up, but the league's adjusting to him. It's time for him to make some adjustments. And I think you're starting to see that a little bit with this past start. That being said, look, I'm not one starts, not going to convince me that Ian Anderson is all the way back when we've seen again, a month plus of really bad starts really all season. He's been kind of up and down and inconsistent. So, you know, one good start against the diamondbacks, isn't going to convince me that Ian Anderson is fully back. I'm going to need to see more. Certainly a great sign. But if I'm the Braves, I'm still adding a starting pitcher at the deadline. Maybe it takes away the need to get a middle to top of the rotation guy and they can more settle for a back-end guy, which I thought is who they should be targeting anyway. You know, Jose Quintana, Noah Syndergaard, you know, somebody like that to pitch in the, the fourth, fifth spot in the rotations. But Either way, great starting or great start for Ian Anderson, one that he definitely needed. And then William Contreras, he provided the offense on Saturday, had a pair of home runs. Good to see him get that home run stroke back. Then on Sunday, a one nothing win. Again, the offense just completely disappearing in a day game. Uh, once again this season, they're averaging around four runs a game in day games and five runs a game in night games. So there is a big difference there, a one-run per game difference between day games and night games for whatever reason. And you know, as much as major league baseball hates the Braves, if they make the postseason, they're going to make the Braves play in a day game, but they got to figure that out and what's going on there to be able to have a more consistent offense in day games. But Braves do get the win on Sunday, one to nothing. Max Fried and Merrill Kelly were both brilliant. Each tossed seven shutout innings. Uh, Freed seven innings, four hits, two walks, no earned, five strikeouts. He breezed through the first four innings. He had to battle a little bit through the sixth and seventh innings, especially. Uh, but really, those last three innings, I thought you saw the command kind of go away from him at times. I'm not saying he was bad at all. I'm just saying compared to the first three to four innings of this start where it looked like he wasn't going to get touched all day, he did have to battle a little bit in those last couple innings. But again, being the ace that he is, he was able to battle through that and get through unscathed and keep the game scored, uh, scoreless and tied so that the Rays offense could get an opportunity late because Merrill Kelly was dealing. I think if you didn't know much about him, uh, he's a very good pitcher. I think you saw that on Sunday, the way he was diving that sinker into right-handed hitters. It was just disappearing under the hands on them. Uh, he's, a, he's just a really good pitcher. Um, the offense, again, couldn't get anything going against Kelly. They had really one chance. It came in the second inning, and that's when we got a very odd play that you don't see very often in the game of baseball. Brian Snicker admitted after the game that he'd never really seen that and wasn't really sure what to do or how to react or what he could review. Um, but what happened was the Braves had first and second, one out. William Contreras hits a ball 
into the, <laughs> the left field corner. I thought at first off the bat, I thought it was gone, but he must have missed it either down on or up on the barrel one way or the other. And it hung up in the air. And uh, Jake McCarthy, who is becoming a very annoying player against the Atlanta Braves, made a great running catch, but then banged into the wall after taking two or three steps. And then the ball popped out of his glove. Umpire or originally ruled out, then changed the call to safe, leaving the base runners in an just unbelievably bad position. Diamondbacks end up getting a double play, getting out of the inning. Just really unfortunate for the Braves. I mean, I thought it was a catch, honestly. I mean, the guy caught it, took a couple of steps, then banged into the wall and dropped it. Either way, it's just really nothing the Braves could do. And really the only thing Brian Snicker could challenge is whether or not it was a catch. If that were the case, then you and they overturned it. You could have runners at first and second with two outs. But uh, just really unfortunate. I think there has to be some sort of rule change there to – I mean, it, there's nothing the runners can do. They saw the umpire make an out call. They're going back to the bag, and then you change the call to safe. I mean, that's just an unbelievably bad position to put the runners in. So something has to be done to change that because it completely took the Braves out of that inning. And like I said, it was really the only chance they had against Merrill Kelly. Top four hitters in the lineup had all five hits on the day, which you know you like to see the bottom of the order get going, but also glad to see the guys at the top who should be getting it done are getting it done. And then he had to walk off against old friend Mark Melanson. Matt Olson, a nice one-out single, taking the ball the other way. Then Austin Riley jumped all over the first pitch, took it into the right center field gap. And somehow Matt Olson chugged around from first base to score the winning run. And the Braves get the walk-off win to complete the sweep. And I want to talk about Austin Riley for a moment. As he should be the player of the month. His numbers in July are just ridiculous. Over 26 games, he had 44 hits. His previous career high was 39 last August. He also had 32 last September, just showing you how hot he was at the end of last year as well. His previous high this year was 27 hits in the month of May. And let me say it again. He had 44 hits in July. Just incredible. 15 doubles, 11 home runs, 25 runs batted in. He only had seven walks. I can't believe pitchers were continuing to pitch this guy as hot as he is. Again, even on Sunday, you pitch to, to Austin Riley with the game on the line. You know, that's on you if you lose that game. A 423 average, 459 on base percentage, and 885 slugging percentage in the month of May, leading up to a 1344 OPS. A 265 WRC plus, and that was before Sunday's game. Fangrass hasn't updated their numbers yet. That's just absurd. And again, before Sunday's a action, because uh, Fangrass hasn't updated yet, he was leading all of baseball with 2.5 war. I would imagine he's still leading all of baseball uh, in war. Aaron Judge was second at 2.4. Obviously, with the New York media, Judge got a lot of attention for his performance in July, but Austin Riley was the better player. And third on that list is Freddie Freeman at 1.7, just showing you how great, really, Judge and Riley both were in, in the month of July. But Austin Riley, he is by far the best player. Or I shouldn't say by far. Aaron Judge was really good. But Austin Riley was the player of the month in July. It'll be a real trap. I mean, he's going to win the NL player of the month. But I think overall, he's the best player in the month of July. Just I mean, a historic month. And those 26 extra base hits in the month of July – broke Hank Aaron's franchise records for the most extra base hits in a single month. So again, you're breaking records, you know, held by Hank Aaron 
you know you're doing something special. Uh, and that's certainly what Austin Riley did in July. All right, next, going to take a look at the trade market. What's been going on? What are some of the moves that happened over the weekend? And who have the Braves been rumored to have interest in? We'll talk about that next. As the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in developing or delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. And did you know every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And thanks again for making Lockdown Braves your first listen every day. We're going to be covering the trade deadline heavily, so make sure that you are subscribed to Locked On MLB on YouTube as well as Locked On Braves on YouTube. We're going to have rapid reactions to any moves that the Braves make over the deadline, so make sure you are subscribed in those places. The trade deadline is at 6 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. So a lot to get done between now and then. We saw some moves over the weekends, but it's really been kind of quiet. And I really think it's because of some of the bigger names out there, like Juan Soto and Shohei Otani, that are kind of holding things up a little bit. Teams waiting to see if those players actually get moved. And if not, then you're going to see them pivot. And then I think you're going to see a domino effect of moves made. But there were some moves made. Over the weekend, you had the Mariners with a big trade for Luis Castillo, giving up three of their top five prospects. And that's kind of really held up the market as well because now a lot of other teams with big pro or big uh, trade targets out there are wanting that type of package. And, and a lot of teams aren't willing to give that up. But the Mariners gave up Novell Marte, Levi Stout, Edwin Arroyo, and Andrew Moore. Again, three of their top five prospects. Phillies traded for Edmundo Sosa from the Cardinals for Jojo Romero. A little bit of a depth swap there as the Phillies you know, need somebody on the infield. Dodgers traded for old friend Chris Martin to help out their bullpen, giving up utility player Zach McKinstry. Daniel Bard signed an extension with the Rockies, taking him off the trading block and raising even more questions about what in the world the Colorado Rockies are doing over there. Uh, the Rays traded for David Peralta, a guy that I really liked for the Braves. They gave up a uh, young catching prospect, Christian Serta, in that deal. Um, and those were some of the, the major moves over the weekend. Uh, really, that Luis Castillo trade kind of set the market for starting pitchers. Now, he is the top of that, so not every starting pitcher with control will get that type of package. But uh, that really set the bar pretty high for what it's going to cost to get a controllable top-of-the-rotation starting pitcher. Uh, as far as news goes, you know, Phillies are said to be looking for a starter. They're in on Syndergaard, you know, Tyler Maley, uh, Jose Quintana, some of the same starters I think the Braves should be in on. What's really going to affect this trade market is whether or not the Red Sox and Giants are gonna, going to be sellers. You know, they're both within striking distance of a wild card, but they've both been playing pretty bad baseball lately. You know, if they decide 
to be sellers. They have some interesting pieces. J.D. Martinez, Christian Vasquez, Kiki Hernandez, who I think could be a, a solid target for the Braves. The Giants have Carlos Rodon, as well as Jock Peterson. Obviously, a lot of Braves fans wanting him to come back, and I think that could make some sense, although I think the Braves maybe need more of a right-handed uh, power hitter now with Duvall out. But Giants and Red Sox could really shake up this deadline if they do become sellers. As far as rumors for the Braves over the weekend, you know, Braves don't leak a lot of information. There were a couple of, uh, you know, rumors or at least talks of players. Uh, John Morosi saying that the Braves have interest in Brandon Jury, but so do a lot of other teams. You know, I think Jury would be a a great target. Perhaps my number one, but if not him, then I like getting Brandon Jury as kind of that utility guy, right-handed bat. Joey Gallo, I mentioned him on Friday, makes no sense to me. You had a Yankees reporter at least mention the possible interest of the Braves, that he could be a fit there. I still just don't really see that at all. And then Mark Feinson, this was a new one to me. He said that Michael A. Taylor is on the radar of the Braves. I don't really love that move either. Michael A. Taylor is kind of having a, a little bit of a breakout season, but overall he hasn't been a really good hitter in his career. He's been very good defensively if you want to get him for – you know, a defensive replacement upgrade over Guillermo Heredia, then maybe that makes more sense. And somebody whose bat is perhaps a little bit better then maybe again, that, that could be a fit for the Braves. If you're replacing Taylor with Heredia or replacing Heredia with Taylor rather. Um, but that was an interesting report. One name I hadn't really heard much of before. As far as what's left out there, you look at some of the top starting pitchers left, Frankie Montas, Tyler Maley, uh, Noah Syndergaard, Nathan Uvalde, again, if the Red Sox sell, Jose Quintana, and then again, Carlos Rodon, if the Giants decide to sell. So there are still some good pitchers out there that I think the Braves could afford that wouldn't cost a ton. The top bats left that fit the Braves, obviously Juan Soto's out there. I don't think that's going to happen. Ian Happ continues to be at the top of my list from the Cubs. You just wonder what the price tag is going to be on him. You know, Whit Merrifield, somebody I haven't really talked about. I know he's out there, but uh, he's having his worst season, but you know has obviously been a very good player in the past. Uh, he might be somebody that the Braves could target, somebody that can play you know, second base, can play outfield, so it gives you some of that versatility. Uh, Jock Peterson, if the, the Giants sell, I, I love the idea of bringing Jock back as a bench bat, um, You know, somebody who can start against right-handed pitching. It maybe becomes a little bit redundant with, with Eddie Rosario, but I like what Jock Peterson brings to the clubhouse as well, and I think, you know, that can't be understated what he did for them last year. Um, so again, maybe not the perfect fit, but I think somebody that it will at least be on their radar. Tommy Pham, a right-handed hitter. Miguel Andujar had somebody bring this up to me in Twitter as well, and I apologize I didn't uh, write the name down, but he's somebody I thought about for the Yankees who's just not able to find a spot on the Yankees, has requested a trade. He's, he's in their minor league system at AAA, hitting the ball really well, and they've been – moving him around into the outfield. I don't know how well that's gone for him in the outfield, but if he could play a corner outfield spot and, you know, can continue to hit and he's been a good hitter at the major league level before could be an interesting target and a guy that has some control. I don't know what the Yankees will be wanting back in return there. I would imagine some uh, pitching, but might be an interesting name to think about. And then Randall Gritchick from Colorado, again, a right-handed bat uh, that I think you could platoon with Rosario and kind of fill that spot lost by, Adam Duvall. 
for levers out there, I'll be honest, there's not many high leverage guys that are known to be available out there. Uh, Braves could be getting Kirby Yates back soon. I think Jay Jackson is ready and probably deserves a, a chance in the bullpen pretty soon. Those are two right-handed relievers. Uh, Jay Jackson has minor league options. So you don't have to bring him up unless absolutely necessary. But again, I think those are two guys who are right now at AAA that could be ready. And they both are right-handed pitchers. I still think you need to go out and find another right-handed pitcher for sixth, seventh, eighth inning. Um, you know, David Robertson, the top arm out there, we know to be available. But again, there's always relief pitchers out there that that can be had. And I believe Alex Gonzalez will find the best fit for the Braves. All right, next I want to talk about moving into the month of August and the Braves' big stretch they have coming up here and what they have to do in order to stay in the NL East race with a tough schedule coming up. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sport wagering information. From live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. So this two- to three-week stretch coming up in August is the biggest stretch of the season for the Atlanta Braves. They started out this week with two games at home against the Phillies who are suddenly hot again. They just swept the Pirates in a four-game series and may not sound like much, but the Pirates have been playing pretty decent baseball this year, and they won the series against the Rays up in Philadelphia last week as well. So tough game there, even though it's at home to start the, the against the Phillies. And then you have an 11-game road trip, and this is going to be the biggest road trip of the year for the Braves. Five games in four days against the Mets. Two games against the Red Sox, who suddenly could be sellers at the deadline hopefully and i hope that's the case and hopefully makes those games a little bit easier and then four games in three days against the marlins and the marlins haven't been playing great lately they just got embarrassed over the weekend against the mets but they have good pitching you run up against sandy alcantara in that series and you know you know that's going to be a tough game so that's a very important 11 game road trip especially those five games against the mets then you come back home for four games against the Mets and three games with the Astros. And by the way, Jacob deGrom is making his return this Tuesday, and he will pitch in the finale against the Braves over the weekend. So, again, this is a very tough stretch for the Braves. During that same time, while not playing the Braves, the Mets will have three against the Nats, seven against the Phillies, and three against the Red Sox. So, Again, a very important two-and-a-half-week stretch here to begin the month of August. If the Braves can somehow get through that stretch without losing any ground, I think that has to be considered a success because the schedule, while not easy, gets a lot more manageable after this stretch of games that I'm talking about, after this 20-game stretch to begin the month of August. So for me, if they get through these 20 games and they're no more than three games back in the NL East, Obviously, would love for them to be, you know, two a game back, um, you know, making up ground over this time. But with all the the double headers, the makeup games, you know, it's going to be a tough twenty game stretch in twenty one days here for the Braves. So for me, if they get through this stretch and don't lose any ground with what the schedule they have the rest of the way, I think the Braves would still be in a very good position 
to win the NL East. Definitely in a very good position to hang on to that top spot in the wild card. But it will be a tough test for the Braves, and it starts on Tuesday against the Phillies. But we'll be back tomorrow covering all the trade deadline action. I expect Monday and Tuesday to be very busy. Again, make sure you're subscribed to Locked On MLB on YouTube for all the trade deadline coverage. Make sure you subscribe to Locked On Braves on YouTube where I'll have instant reactions to any moves that the Braves make over the next couple of days. But thanks for listening. That will do it for this episode. Again, make sure you're subscribed on Twitter at LockedOn underscore Braves. And you can follow me at ShortstopBall. And we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 